I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We've covered a lot of ground on today's program, much of it stemming from an announcement made on Friday by Governor Gary Herbert as he talked about the state's transition into the next phase of our battle against the coronavirus. And uh, it involves, in uh, maybe early May, the reopening of certain services which typically were available at any time under uh, almost all conditions here in the state of Utah. And then coronavirus showed up, we had to close things down. Well, as we take steps towards reopening things, getting uh, life back to, to normal, the first few things telegraphed by the gov- governor uh, may be the reopening of uh, restaurant dining rooms uh, under certain conditions. We'll have to uh, spread the tables out a little bit more, I predict. Uh, also, maybe gyms uh, to reopen, places like Vasa and Planet Fitness and all the rest. Uh, and also a, a rescheduling of these elective medical procedures and surgeries, which have for uh, some time now uh, been postponed. That has had a dramatic impact on, on so many individuals. And us laymen, you know, we probably think that means, uh, okay, so the, you know, the doctors, they're, of course, out of work, and those poor folks. Uh, uh, and then, you know, maybe there are some thoughts you and I might, again, as laymen, think about where, uh, I don't know, maybe people are getting their teeth straightened or who, who knows what. Uh, but we, uh, at least I, am guilty uh, of not having put uh, sufficiently profound thought into the real ramifications of the cancellation of these elective surgeries. I had a conversation uh, over the weekend with a friend of mine who joins me on the line now. I wanted to continue that conversation. Dr. Stephen Mobley is a facial plastic surgeon, uh, and he uh, has some great wisdom to to impart on me and on you. Uh, First and foremost, uh, let me just say, uh, Dr. Sir, grateful to you uh, for joining us here on the radio today. Well, thank you, Lee. It's great to be on. Uh, Some of your listeners may recall a a health outcome reporting for local ABC4 in terms of medical expertise. So Utah's health has always been a great concern of mine. Yeah. Talk to me, and first, thank you for that. You bring a lot of expertise to this conversation. Let me ask you first, you and I were talking yesterday, and you opened my eyes and my mind to uh, the realities of uh, the types of procedures uh, that fall under the category of elective and some of the uh, heartbreaking ramifications uh, that have or that may come as a result of those being off the table for a little while. Talk to me more about that. Yeah, I, there is uh, the, the phone dropped out there a little bit. It's tough doing radio with cell phones, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think the base of the question was, you know, what is uh, elective medical procedure? And sometimes people might conjure up that maybe you're going into your dentist to get your teeth whitened. Well, yeah, that's that's heavily elective, agreed. And when that's going to be safe again, we can debate. Uh, But people need to remember that a lot of health maintenance procedures are technically elective. That could be your 70-year-old grandfather at home who can barely... In terms of preventative care, we should think about things like uh, colonoscopies, mammograms, uh, prostate checks. All of those types of procedures are considered elective, and they're all being put on hold, and the numbers are quite staggering. Uh, I'm happy to go over with him if you, if you want more details on those. I've been thinking about that a lot for this uh, interview. Yeah, please, go ahead. 
Well, for example, if you look at colonoscopies, and I know that numbers can be hard to think around about 1.5 colonoscopies every month in America. And from that, we find about 10,000 cases of something in your colon that needs to be treated so it does not progress on to colon cancer. So then you think about if we've been closed for a month or two, 20,000 people walking around with something in turning from a treatable cancer to a cancer that spreads. And so as a health person in the community that's worried about all Utah lives, what I keep wondering to remind people is that this is a two-sided equation. We, we have the obvious death because we see it on TV every night, how many of our citizens are dying from this horrible coronavirus. But there's going to be another side of the equation about deaths that may occur from prolonged uh, suicide and depression and other problems. So it is a two-sided equation, and I encourage everyone to sort of look at all lives that can be affected about this during this very difficult time. Yeah, it's it's important stuff, and uh, we've learned some of the the tragic realities. If I've as I've had contact with uh, folks in law enforcement and uh, some of the domestic violence helplines, that there is uh, a heartbreaking uptick in that type of behavior, uh, which I think fits right in uh, that category of of unfortunate circumstances. Uh, let me talk to you uh, about testing for a moment. Uh, what? What importance should we place on testing? What does testing help us understand? And, uh, and what, will we, what will testing ultimately lead us uh, towards? Sure. And, and again, particularly just in my area of expertise, healthcare, I mean, ideally, I'd probably want to test myself once a week and test my staff once a week because we're interacting with people. Uh, based on the type of healthcare you practice, you, you can maybe, if you're a dentist doing a routine cleaning, maybe you could hold off on the 65-year-old with asthma. But what if you're a cardiologist or you are a pulmonary doctor? Those are your patients, and you have to have them safely come to your office. So more testing for sure is going to be the, the need. We have to, when people hear about these testing, and I've actually worked in a lab in my younger years, you've got to picture there's a number of machines. There's certain chemicals that are used to uh, have these tests produce a positive or negative result. And just imagine the entire world is all trying to order these chemicals at once. And so it's a lot of times that these chemicals, sometimes called the reagents, that are in short supply. And it is going to take time for the testing to catch up with the, the needs. For your listeners, I can give you some good news. I was looking at some, some recent stats. Utah, as of this morning, has tested approximately 68,000 people. And to put that in perspective, that's 21,000 people tested per 1 million Utah citizens. And to think of maybe our, our, uh, our ski neighbors over in Colorado, they've tested 8,000 citizens per million Coloradans. So we're doing pretty well on testing. Our, our per capita testing rate as well as uh, we're, we're doing better than places around the world and our per capita death rate is one of the lowest uh, around the world that speaks highly at least in my layman's view of things uh and my uneducated view of things uh as to the to the good work being done here in the state of utah yeah i think utah has been pretty proactive i don't know if we just have a very healthy state culture i think we shut this seems strange just because there weren't that many horrible things happening in the country. And, yeah, as you said, I was looking at the data this morning, uh, going back to that concept of how many deaths per million citizens. And I don't ever want to make it sound like a statistic because those are real human right. beings, real lives, real tragedy. Um, but if you have to look at it from a, from a statistical point of view, in Utah, we are at seven 
and the lowest in the nation. Again, our neighbors uh, over in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, just because they're sort of a similar state, maybe a similar culture, 72 deaths per million people in Colorado. So, you know, the, the, the numbers in New York would be the, in the multiple hundreds. So there, there's, there's variety, but we can, I think, feel reasonably proud as Utahns about how our local leaders, how our healthcare leaders at the University of Utah State done a pretty good job so far. I've, I've read nothing. I get a lot of emails because I have uh, connections to different hospital systems. I've read nothing about dire PPP shortages, dire bed shortages, dire ICU shortages. It seems like we're doing pretty well compared to the rest of the nation. Dr. Stephen Mobley, sir, I'm grateful to you for your friendship and your expertise today. Let's uh, look for an opportunity to speak again soon, all right? Yeah, I appreciate the time. And uh, if I can help educate your uh, listeners, I'm more than happy to do my small part. Outstanding. Very good. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. And for the final segment of today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Karina Brown, who has been recently announced to uh, be the running mate for Democratic candidate for Governor Chris Peterson, who's been a guest on this program. Uh, We'll meet Ms. Brown next, uh, hear why she has decided to uh, accept the invitation from candidate Peterson and seek the office of lieutenant governor here in the state of Utah. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.